Greetings and welcome to Everyday America, where you'll hear the American story one person at a time. I'm Gregory King, your host, and my goal is to inform, entertain, and inspire by sharing the stories of everyday Americans with you. In fact, each of you are potential guests. More on that later. Everyday America is offered free to all that would like to listen in, but if you'd like to support me, go to my Patreon page and check out my goals and rewards. That's patreon.com slash everydayamerica. And special thanks to my music director, Steve Hall, who writes and performs all my music. He's a great studio musician, teaches guitar virtually all across the country, and can be reached at stevehallmusic at outlook.com. I met Today's Americans backstage while producing a three-day event for a client in Orlando. It was just before the world shut down over COVID. They were hired to write and produce what I'll call skits that would instruct the attendees in matters of protocol. But as boring as that sounds, it was anything but. They were hilarious. And as I watched them backstage, I could see a special kind of bond in the way that they would communicate before going out on stage. And I wanted to explore that a bit. Stephen Kieran and Joe McGinley are a husband and wife improv team. They're actors, comedians, improv artists, and they teach improv to individuals and corporations. Now, for those of you that may not know, improvisational theater, or improv as it's called, is the art of performing live on stage without a script, and by definition, without preparation. But the true improv artist spends many years honing their craft and learning to read the cues and eliminate the clutter of the situation they're in and run with it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it fails. As our guest today will attest, the failures are often the best teachers. I think you'll see the connection between improvisational theater and life, because as you know, life is pretty much improvisation on a very large stage. So, Joe and Stephen, thanks for being with me today. Uh, well, first of all, Greg, thanks for having us, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, Joe and I met many years ago in the Bay Area uh, through improvisation, and um, which uh, at that time and still to this day, I would certainly say California is experiencing almost like a golden age of improvisation and certainly the longer form version of it or the narrative. And so Joe and I met way back when through that world, through improvisation. Wouldn't you say that's true, Joe? Well, yeah, I was working at the San Francisco Bay Club, and um, I was also an actor and um, taking improv classes at BATS in San Francisco. And I was uh, at the Bay Club, I was in charge of employee development, and I asked if I could bring in real live improvisers to work with new employees at new employee orientations because the basics of improv are just absolutely what you want frontline employees to um, just be immersed in so that, I mean, customer service, great customer service comes out of basic improv skills. And so Stephen was a very well-known Bay Area improviser and um, answered the call to get, uh, to do this work. And that's how we met. And, uh, yeah, that was in that was a long time ago. That was in nineteen ninety five. Let me let me go backwards. Yeah. What's fascinating is you talking about um, the corporate use of impro- improvisation, which is interesting. I never really thought of it that way. But I'm curious mm-hmm. about what you said about Stephen being a well known improviser. How does that start? 
do you wake up one morning and go, you know what, I'm really good at improvising? Were you like the class clown? How, how did that career path begin? Well, speaking for myself, I, I, in my family, uh, early on, my job, I didn't realize it at the time, that it was that because of the chaos of my family, it was total chaos. And, and uh, we ended up homeless at one point, my sisters and I. But I didn't realize that these skills as an improviser started very young. And also the, the comedic aspect of it being the youngest, sort of being the clown, but more to the point was sort of the ethic of improvisation, of learning to be flexible to any situation because our sort of the, the ground underneath us was constantly shifting chaotically in our family. So as I got older, you know, I, I knew that I could, you know, make people laugh. Not that that's what improv and certainly not the narrative is about. Some people are sort of misguided that way, but, I learned to listen very intensely and to read situations and to read other people and like a sort of hypervigilance, if you will. And, and from that, a friend who I met, who's my best friend to this day, identified that in me. And he said, let's take an improv class together. And I had to be dragged kicking and screaming. And after 33 years, sometimes I still have to be dragged kicking and screaming because I just... It, it, to me, it's uh, it's if I think about it too much, it's too overwhelming, you know. Yeah, that's a short answer, yeah. or is it? And, I don't know. And Joe, what <laughs> what about you? What drew you to that creative, narrative, comedic type field? Um, I came at it for, for with a different lens. I was an actor up in San Francisco, and I thought I was just taking kind of by force. Um, I, an acting teacher said I should take, we all should take an improv class. It will help us just have that freedom when you're on stage and things aren't going perfectly for you to kind of surf the moment. You should have that kind of training for when things go awry. And then, so I thought I was doing it for eight weeks and I loved, loved the ethic of improv that was in the room um, of listening and, and making each other look good and, saying yes to things and jumping off a cliff together, basically, and not knowing where you're going, but um, really building off each other's ideas. And that just felt like, oh, we should we should live this way. This shouldn't just be how we act in an improv class. So I was I was hooked at a really good first teacher. Very cool. So you've come together. Mm -hmm. You've been working together for a while. Um, Tell me, mm -hmm. tell me about this creative synergy that you two have. Gosh, Joe, do you want to try and encapsulate that? <laughs> Is it possible? I mean, it's it's a palpable thing. I watched it, and, and I, you know, we're backstage, it's in the dark, you're waiting to go on, and you were communicating back and forth with like little, little and words, and a whole conversation took place in, in silence. And you knew exactly what you needed to do, and then you went out on stage and did it. It was it was fascinating to see. I, I don't know that that can be wow. learned. I don't even know if you knew you were doing that, <laughs> but but it was it was amazing. And I thought, wow, the you you each know exactly what you need to do. You each have your role, and off you went. Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. We are, um, I'm not sure if we can exactly answer it, but one thing that comes to mind listening to you is that we do train in how to 
be present under pressure. That's a huge part of improvisers training. You just, you do all this training so that you allow uh, adrenaline and nerves. Like, you know, you're going to be nervous. You know, adrenaline rushes are going to happen. So how you warm up physically and mentally before you're about to perform, it's really similar to athletes, actually. Like, how loose can you get before a game so that you can perform at um, your highest level? And you do that not in a silo, but when you're uh, performing with other people, you're warming up together because you need to have each other's backs on stage. And um, it builds trust, Um there's connection. It's you feel you're a part of something bigger than yourself. So it's not just how am I going to do. You're not focused on yourself. It's uh, a we and, and together. And I think that kind of training is why we go into companies um, in the in the workforce and build executives or or intact teams to work together better under pressure because it's um, that's how we trained. Hmm. And, and can I add to that? I, I must mm-hmm. say that the word the word that Joe used was need. When when it's just the two of us, and we know we have a script laid out, and we're about to do live theater, where there's any mistakes that happen are going to have to be incorporated. That that feeling. I remember that specifically that show and the feeling backstage, especially when we're slightly under rehearsed because we just dropped in out of the sky. We drop into the ballroom the night before we did a run through or two. But that feeling of needing each other so that no matter what happens, we will navigate it together, that to me draws you together so that you are speaking a secret language. You are nodding to each other in the dark. You are, you know, you are in sync. And I, for me, it's always out of some degree of fear or, or connection. And we've done shows around the world. I remember doing a show for the first time in Finland, and we were backstage about to take the stage, and we had no idea what we were walking out to, whether people would understand us. But there, we were locked. We were locked in with each other because it is. We've got to stay connected out there. I remember Joe, you and I did a show, uh, this type of show that that Greg saw us in. And I remember I had to give you a piece of paper. You were to read it and just crumple it up and throw it back <laughs> to me or hand it back to me. And I remember you just fired it at me. It hit me like in the Adam's apple and then flew up in the air. And I just sort of grabbed it out of the air. And we played that moment. And the audience just exploded laughing because they could tell that we were completely <laughs> winging that. And that you fired it a little too fast. <laughs> but I remember looking at you and you looking at me and we were just breathing hard, like, okay. And we picked up where we left off. But I don't think that could happen as, I don't want to say seamless, um, but in, in, with a certain flow, unless we were connected and trained with each other. I, I think that's really something that over the years is, an, is a, a sort of an intangible. There's this, uh, this connection, if you will. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of when we're doing scripted work, we do rehearse, uh, I mean, so much so that mm-hmm. we can be really loose, but we're not trying to mimic something we rehearsed in, um, you know, in rehearsal, basically. We are, we know what we want to do when we're doing scripted pieces, but we're open to something bigger or better that that feels really fun because, you know, there's just so many 
unknowns are happening. So I was walking across the stage. It wasn't that show, but it was one we did before that. And um, my heels on the stage and the way the stage was sounding and just something was different. And it was interesting of how little things like that can throw you off. And so what you have is each making eye contact. You're like, okay, I'm fine. Even though I feel really wobbly on my feet, Steven's got my back. So uh, there is that feeling of being able to improvise if need be because because of the rehearsal and because we know we also can improvise. So that combo pack makes it feel like we'll, we'll be fine, whatever happens. Now, if we bring that back to your relationship, how, how much mm-hmm. of your relationship is improv? How much is rehearsed? How much is training? <laughs> how, do, how, does that, <laughs> how does that all work? <laughs> and what might you be able to share that the rest of us uh, in relationships could mm. uh, incorporate? Mm. Interesting. Really good question. Um, I, I would say it's mostly improvised. Would you agree? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> he does not follow the script that I give him in the morning. <laughs> yeah. We jokingly um, refer to it, right, Joe? We call it Pillow Talk Productions. You know, yeah. when we're when we just sort of, are you awake? Yeah, what about this? What about that? But, oh, it's an interesting question. What's day-to-day like for, for Stephen and Joe? Working, obviously, is a big thing because you work together. But what is it like, um, you know, grocery shopping? I, I guess I'm riding in the back seat on your way to Costco, and I'm just wondering, what, what is that like since you're not rehearsing for anything <laughs> are you two funny together do you improv back and forth well it runs the gamut because i think totally. Stephen is very serious in real life like much he's very deep thinker he's the guy everyone calls when they're they have any kind of troubles he's like the go-to guy and um has really amazing deep long friendships with people so i feel like he's kind of uh just so many people's rock and foundation. And so there's that side of him. And then we really have fun. Like, I feel like we laugh really hard at some point every day, several times a day. And then we fight really well. Like we never, we argue, we disagree, but I feel like the way we argue, we can always come back from. There's no, line that is crossed that you just can't, where you say something that you just can't come back from. Um, so I feel like we're very respectful. Mm-hmm. We tell the truth and we take responsibility for, um, and try eventually. to apologize. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's an eventually and sometimes it's right after, but I think mm-hmm. we really do like each other, which really helps. Oh yeah. And, and it's that old, you know, thing, Greg, like, oh, there must be a million laughs around your place, you know? It's like, well, not so much. It's just like anyone else. But because of what we do, there is shop talk. You know, we are talking about this. Joe is an incredible director. She's an incredible leader and sort of visionary. And I always think of Joe as either a criminal mastermind or mad scientist when it comes to applying improvisation. I mean, witness how we met, that she took the ethics and the ethic of improvisation and applied it to new employees. I mean, Joe's thinking conceptually like that about the art form. That's something that we talk about. And look, in a pinch, you know, there's an old saying, right? The gardener's yard is full of weeds. 
So it's like we're teaching stuff, but who needs to learn it most? We do. And, and in a pinch, you know, sometimes we'll say, look, I need you to yes and what I'm about to say, or I need you to just go to second circle. We'll use the terminology of, of what it is that we're, we're looking at and of our training to, to maybe apply to our life. I mean, there are so many ways, like, I need you to be flexible and open to this right now, uh, you know, or breathe through this, you know, just like we address the so-called obstacles to what we think is good improvisation, we can also apply that to the obstacles of a good marriage or good listening, which is really the core, the very core. I don't know if you remember David Steinberg, but David is a, is a dear friend of ours, and We've known David for years, and when it comes down to just the old-school core of good improvisation, David always just taps his ear twice. He doesn't have to say anything. He'll just tap, tap. So listening is at the core of it, and as we know, that's not always easy to do. You know. Well, you know, a lot of people talk about life on stage is really nothing more than a mimic of real life. And I remember some of your skits that day. Uh, they, I think they were partly so funny because they, there was an element of truth in each one. So uh, fascinating. Oh, that's good. What would you What would you say as a challenge for you two? I think not not working. I mean, especially since I mean, I was gonna, I, you know, I was about to say since quarantine or stay at home. I, I feel like because we work for ourselves and we do within the frame of improvisation, we probably each have like seven different offshoots of that <laughs> and so um i was like do we take a day a real day off that i'm not sure I- i'd like us to get better at that of um not working every day yeah, hmm. yeah. there's something it's- always going on there's always a show coming up there's always a-, a class we're teaching or a workshop or a pitch for a job or something mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting because, you know, years ago, Joe said, we're riverboat gamblers. That's what we are. We're in show business, and we also do these trainings. And she said, it's like we will joke about the gypsy life or that we used to live on airplanes or that uh, we're riverboat gamblers. We're taking a chance, whether it's certainly, you know, job to job at times or word of mouth when it comes to our trainings. But, uh, you know, some of the written material uh, – the comic material that you saw, Greg, that's how you met us, but also of just the life of an actor. I mean, Joe is sort of pulling back a bit from the acting. I'm still kind of in it, you know, and that we roll the dice. We roll the dice with roles and even shows. I was on a show uh, that was a big hit and it got all these views and 100% critical reviews in Rotten Tomatoes and it got canceled because of the platform it was on got canceled by Google. It was on YouTube Originals called Wayne. And so even that, even something like a sure bet, if we call it the riverboat gambling uh, metaphor, even that stuff can, you know, you can run aground, uh, you know, and suddenly. So I think that's what's most troubling. And before the pandemic and certainly now when we're really improvising, trying to figure out, quite honestly, what to do next because uh, none of us know where all of this is going you know yeah so yeah, yeah we shifted as as did so many people across the world suddenly all our in-person trainings are now virtual and there was just like a, a month of trying to you know 
ride that wave and shift and what's possible. And now it's really exciting because everything feels fresh and new. Everything we're doing virtually, it feels like we're inventing things. Um, and that's my favorite part. I guess that's where I'm, what did you call me, Stephen, a mad scientist? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or a criminal that's mastermind. Where I get, yes. Either one of those. That's where I'm like, oh, okay, I've said yes to this. Now I have to make it happen. How will I do this? And I find that really inspiring. Yeah, I think that's the most satisfying part of being in a creative field is is inventing, is Im mm -hmm. improvising, inventing, and going, wow, that worked. And and moving mm -hmm. forward with it, it's, yeah, it's very rewarding. Yes. If you have the right uh, ensemble or the right community or the right environment, that you're allowed to do that because... You know, experimenting as improvisers, that's what we're doing. But we, we live on mistakes. You know, we fail for a living. That's what we do. And, and we train people how to not only survive that sort of thing, but to thrive in it. That that's mm -hmm. sort of how do we learn then to harvest that. But we have to be able to take those chances together. And that speaks totally to the community. That's what we try and build. We try and build community, be it in our classes or, or uh, you know, teaching uh, uh, how to uh, a community of uh, corporate leaders how to run like a pack is what we call it. How to run like a pack, and to be with each other uh, that way. You know, it's it's really a trip, man. What a what a wild gift this art form is, and it's it's growing and changing, especially the long form, the narrative, it's just revealing so much to us daily. I feel. Oh. I've loved the connection, like in um, one of our classes, I've got some students in from Japan, uh, someone's in D.C., someone's in Colorado, I'm in L.A., there are people in San Francisco, and we're all meeting together on Zoom, having an improv class, and laughing and connecting. It's been really wonderful. Stephen has a few students from Beirut in his class, so... In that, Amsterdam, uh, yeah. In Amsterdam, yeah. The, the the fact that you can connect worldwide with people around the world at the same time when we're all stuck in our own homes and find a connection, and it's just beautiful. I, I'm, that's I, That feels like a complete gift that we're able to g give each other at this point in time, especially. Yeah. Well said, yeah. I usually close with a couple of questions, and I, I'm going to pick one of them. Uh, in light of what we've been talking about and what you just said, if you had one thing to tell America, word of advice, something you learned, what, what would it be? Um, we're in this together. We have much more in common than not, and to remind yourself of another person's humanity. We all experiencing the same loss and to have it bring us closer together rather than tear us apart that's up to us that's that's our choice we, and uh so i just beg and encourage people to connect all we have is each other yeah i would just add to that just to stay open to the truth of what's true about be it science or other laws that work such as kindness and openness in any number of situations, certainly the, the, the pandemic, but of course what we're marching for as well, to just stay open to what's true and to be willing to grow 
just to be willing to grow and to listen, I would say, obey the law. <laughs> yeah. However you interpret that. But reality, I would probably call it, you know, with a capital R. Well, that's true because as improvisers, we're taught to be in reality and accept what is actually happening versus what we wish was happening. Yes, and, what will you have? What will you have? Yeah. And when you are in that state of want what you have, then you see you see possibility and opportunity in what is happening. And if you try to control things or make something happen out of your own brain, then you're like cutting off the, the potential of the current moment. And um, that that's a big part of our training when we go into companies because leadership right now, everything's changing so fast and everyone's having to, you know, pivot. Um, like, and so it's, it seems to be one, one quote I really like. It's not um, right now. It's not exactly what you know, but how you think. And so training people to be in the moment with reality and, uh, and see what's possible is just, it's a, it's a leadership. It's, it's how um, people could parent. It's really interesting when you're breathing in the moment instead of constricting or trying to control it. And that's amazing. You're, you are teaching people how to react to circumstance with, mm -hmm. with grace. Yes. Yeah, and it amounts to subtraction. We're just getting things out of the way. You know, things that are in the way. We, we, we have to unlearn things. We have to, Joe and I think of it that we clear debris, you know. We just clear stuff that's in the way. In our sense, who or what we are doesn't need an awful lot of help once things are just pushed out of the way. You know, they say a natural byproduct of understanding someone is compassion. You don't have to teach compassion. The bottom falls out. You fall into compassion when you understand that's why we need to listen now more and stop talking. I say that to a lot of improvisers, but it sure applies to us all right now, mm -hmm. I think. Tell me the name of your organization. If anyone were interested, how would they reach you? Oh, sure. Um, our company is 333 Productions. The, the website's 333improvisation.com. We do several different things. Our, we perform with Impro Theater in Los Angeles. And that's a narrative improv company where we teach and perform. And then Stephen also performs with Three for All, mm -hmm. uh, which is a Bay, beloved Bay Area three-man improv group. In our 25th uh, year. I can't believe it. This is our 25th yeah. anniversary, and we can't perform on stage together. But they can yeah. learn about us uh, at the number 34all.com. Right. And um, watch Wayne on YouTube Originals. <laughs> I got to check that out. I hadn't uh, hadn't seen that. Yeah, it's so good. It's pretty raucous. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks for spending some time with me. Oh, fascinating. Thank story. you. Thank you. And I wish you the best as we move forward. Uh, you know, in this creative industry we're in, uh, see where it goes. Yes, absolutely. We're all just, we just yeah. have to improvise. Yeah. We just got to improvise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're winging it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Greg. You're welcome, Thank Greg. You so Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, while life is like being on stage without a rehearsal, there are ideals and laws and the love of family and the love of a creator, and all that gives us guidance 
and stability and direction. And just like improvisational theater, if we make a mistake or fail, the stage is still ours to command and we can change and fix and improve. That's always been the way we do things in America. And for that, I am grateful. And that is part of my story. Thank you for hanging out with me on Everyday America, where we give random Americans the opportunity to share their stories with you. And remember, if you don't write it down, it didn't happen. So share your stories and write them down for your friends and family and for posterity and make your story real. If you or someone you know is willing to share their story with us, send a note to everydayamericapodcast at gmail.com. Tell us why and give us a way to reach you. And finally, if you'd like to support us, go to my Patreon page and check out my goals and rewards. That's patreon.com slash everydayamerica. I'd love to have you become part of the show. See you next time.